I'm grateful uh, for this invitation to uh, share in worship and preaching. Thankful for the hospitality uh, that uh, has greeted us here. Um, I'm as a mission, former mission executive and now as a seminary president, I'm something of an itinerant preacher. And so I visit churches and preach in churches, various places. And uh, sometimes I'm a stranger when I arrive while I'm there and when I leave. And uh, unless the Lord makes me, I'll never go back no more. And so I want to thank you for the warmth and welcome uh, that you afford us today. Won't you turn your attention with me now for a few moments to Acts chapter 11. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version beginning at verse 19. Invite you to hear the word of the Lord. <clears throat> now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. <clears throat> when he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they met with the church and taught a great many people, and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. At that time, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, one of them named Agabus stood up and predicted by the Spirit that there would be a severe famine over all the world. And this took place during the reign of Claudius. The disciples determined that according to their ability, each would send relief to the believers living in Judea. This they did, sending it to the elders by Barnabas, and Saul. My wife introduced me to home and garden television a few years ago. I was not initially interested, but I've grown to enjoy the network over time. Like many spouses, it takes some of us a little time to catch up with our partners, but we eventually come around. 
She and I sometimes watch episodes of shows where people are engaged in seeking to remodel existing properties or to purchase new houses that can become their dream homes. Perhaps it's my limited imagination or non-existent design education that prevent me from conceiving the possibilities present in unfinished and outdated houses. Hearing building contractors and design consultants describe what could be with removing walls and redesigning flows and replacing doors, it doesn't mean much to me. I understand the concept, but I just can't see what the possibilities can be. I do enjoy, however, witnessing the results of demolition and construction and decoration by people who know what they're doing. It also makes me happy to see amazement and excitement in these existing or new homeowners once they see their dream homes, which often exceed what they had imagined. Now, perhaps you have never had the experience of moving into a dream home, but maybe you have experienced or perhaps heard of people talk about my dream job or a dream vacation or a dream date or living the dream. I want to share with you today a little bit of the church of my dreams. Now let me clarify, I'm not talking about a location or proximity or facility. I'm talking about church in terms of a covenant community of disciples of Jesus who are sought for the earth and light for the world through work and worship and word and witness. And further, an inspiration for our message today is drawn from the introduction of us to the New Testament church at the city of Antioch. It became a center of the developing church and a launching place for the early mission movement. And I just want to talk not exhaustively, but just for an illustration about three things that are characteristics for me about the church of my dream. One characteristic of the church of my dream is resiliency. The church at Antioch was resilient. Now the church at Jerusalem suffered persecution. Acts chapter 6 explains that some in the synagogue that went by the name of the freedmen opposed the growing number of the followers of the way of Jesus. They seized Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, who had been chosen as one among seven to ensure equitable distribution of food among widows of different ethnic backgrounds. And these who, gathered, who seized Stephen persuaded people to accuse him falsely of speaking against the holy place and the law. After Stephen's response to his accusers, he was dragged out of the city and stoned. 
while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And the text tells us in chapter 7, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. Afterward, there was great persecution of the church. Acts chapter 8 tells us that day, a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Now, some people interpret persecution for the sake of Jesus as an indication that they are doing something wrong, that God is not real, that God is not loving, or that God is not powerful. An old spiritual song remixed by the gospel artist James Cleveland of another generation reminds us that nobody told me the road would be easy, but I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us reminded us generations ago in his classic book, Discipleship, and I quote Bonhoeffer, those who do not want to take up their cross, who do not want to give their lives and suffering and being rejected by people, lose their community with Christ. They are not disciples. But those who lose their lives in discipleship, in bearing the cross, find life again in following in the community of the cross with Christ. The opposite of discipleship is being ashamed of Christ, being ashamed of the cross, being scandalized by the cross. Discipleship is being bound to the suffering Christ. That is why Christian suffering is not disconcerting. Instead, it is nothing but grace and joy." End quote. The idea that persecution, though painful, is not a sign of failure is countercultural to the public narratives of our day. We live in a world that bombards us with messages that we should aspire to achieve excessive wealth, perfect health, ageless appearance, perfect muscle tone that's perpetual, skin without blemish, hair perfectly groomed, never graying, and more. But we hear a word to Jesus to the disciples from Jesus in John chapter 16. I've said this to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Second Corinthians further explains the testimony of Paul about his ministry of the gospel. 
but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our bodies. Persecution did not destroy the witness of the New Testament church at Antioch. And when persecution, when harassment, when oppression, when intimidation and more landed heavily on the followers of the way of Jesus in Jerusalem, they spread to many places proclaiming the good news of Jesus and people responded to their authenticity of their words and their witness and their love and their life. And I confess to you today, one characteristic of the church of my dreams is that a church that can be resilient in the face of persecution for being faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another characteristic of the Church of My Dreams is its vibrant variety. A church includes and embraces people from all cultures and ethnicities when the power of God is in their midst. The vibrant variety of God, you see, is seen in creation where God created the day and night, ground and sea, plant and trees, sun and moon and stars, creatures that fly through the sky and others that swim in the sea, livestock and animals and creatures that move along the ground, male and female in God's image. And Genesis chapter 1 tells us God saw all that he made and it was very good. Vibrant, the vibrant variety of God is witnessed in salvation. We heard sung beautifully today that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. The vibrant variety of God was experienced when the Holy Spirit was made manifest on the day of Pentecost the Bible tells us that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd gathered together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it 
that each of us hears them in our own language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt. This vibrant variety hears the gospel in their own language. And then the vibrant variety of God awaits us when God completes what God began. John tells us in Revelation 7, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne of and before the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. The text tells us in Acts that the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people turned to the Lord. They discerned something of an expanded horizon of God's will for the world because the power of God was in their midst. You see, the church at Antioch had an extended vision rather than a constricted view of evangelism, of sharing the good news of Jesus through word and deed. And the idea of being constricted is rooted in the concept of being bound tightly together. Imagine a circle that keeps getting smaller and smaller where there's less room inside. But the idea of being extended and expanded has in it the notion of spreading out. I spent my childhood years in a city where all of the backyards in our neighborhood had fences. Children were free to move and play, but only within the boundaries of their yards. I moved to a, a small rural town during my adolescent years where there were no fences in anybody's backyard. Kids could go from house to house and yard to yard without limitation and without boundaries. Parents did not fret when children played games that crossed the property lines because you were free to walk and play and explore and enjoy outdoors all without any restrictions. And the expansive vision of God is not bounded by limitations of our vision, of our fears, of our assumptions, and even of our cultures. But the church of Antioch had an extended vision, an expanded vision, rather than a constricted view. Like the, the yards of the child, of the, the yards in my adolescent years where there's a wide open boundary and you could go from yard to yard and explore and enjoy it. The Church of Antioch was committed to helping people grow and know the Lord. A great number of people believed in Jesus as Lord, and our churches grow when our goal is inviting people to Jesus rather than persuading people to join us. Whatever is ours is characterized by conformity and containment and is characterized by exclusion rather than inclusion. You can grow a crowd with customization and homogenization. The disciples of Jesus at Antioch, however, 
embrace the vibrant variety of God, not as a strategy, but because the hand of the Lord was with them. Welcoming new people into our lives is disruptive. Homogeneity yields predictability, but inclusivity opens us to possibility. A closed body of water stagnates, but a flowing stream attracts and supports life. Anyone who has ever welcomed a baby into your home knows about disruptions. Disruptions of schedules and furnishings and sleep routines. But these disruptions also can lead to incalculable and unimaginable joy for today and hope for tomorrow. Many have testified that they did not know how much love they had to give until they were blessed to give birth or to adopt or to foster a child. The disruptions cause adaptations, but they also lead to expansions of love and joy and hope. A characteristic of the Church of My Dreams is a church that embraces the vibrant variety of God. And beyond resiliency and beyond variety, a third characteristic of the Church of My Dreams is generosity. Word of the flourishing church in Antioch reached Jerusalem. They dispatched Barnabas to learn about this phenomenal growth and cross-cultural Christian experience that was emerging. Barnabas was a follower of the way of Jesus with the disciples in Jerusalem. He was filled with generosity and integrity and the personality of an encourager. The text tells us that when he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced and exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Paul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was there for an entire year that they met with the church and taught a great many people. During that time, the believers learned about a coming famine. The famine was going to be devastating for the followers of the way in Judea who lived with economic vulnerability and fragility. Life was hard for them. It was about to get worse. The response of the disciples in Antioch, however, was to respond with compassion. They responded individually and with generosity. The generosity was a demonstration of their compassion. They were more than allies. They were companions along the journey. Now, companions, I learned a few years ago through a pilgrimage in South America, literal, companions literally share bread with each other along the way. Companions know that while all may get a little hungry, there's no reason for anyone to starve. If I'm enduring hardship and pain, struggling to live with security and dignity, 
trying to resist vulnerability and violation as I live my life day to day. I need more than encouraging words by people who keep a comfortable distance from my reality. I need people who will extend themselves to participate in my pain and share the, their blessings so that I too can participate in the Lord's kindness in their lives. Disciples of Jesus are people committed to compassion. To have compassion means that you suffer with another. You have compassion for siblings who suffer. You extend yourself and share your resources and offer yourself to come alongside to offer support and comfort and strength. This is the kind of generosity that does not collapse under the weight of what some people call compassion fatigue. When people become indifferent to the suffering of others, if God is not indifferent to us, how can we be indifferent to others? Generosity is the response of the grace of God in your life. Barnabas saw evidence of the grace of God. He saw marks or proof of demonstration that people received and were responding to the loving kindness and the tender mercies of God. A characteristic of the church of my dreams is generosity in response to God's graciousness to them. Now, I've not tried to give you an exhaustive list of the church of my dreams, but some characteristics are a church with resiliency, with variety, and with generosity. And when our work and our worship and our witness demonstrate these, people will recognize who we are and they will indeed call us Christians, those who are partisan to Christ. I sure want to be a part of a church like this. Won't you pray with me? We are grateful, God, for how you make yourself known in and among the lives of your people and people throughout the world. We pray today that you will inspire us individually and collectively to be even more people who are resilient when persecuted in, in the name of Christ, who embrace the variety that you gift to this world. Give us a heart of generosity in response to your graciousness in our lives. Forgive our faith, forgive our failure, increase our faith. We pray for your kindness to those who suffer and struggle today. Through Christ Jesus our Lord we pray. Amen.